What did you eat for breakfast? I had Greek yogurt, bananas, and blueberries. Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 111. Joining me for this episode is founding member of Les Zeppelin, solo artist, owner of Hidden Pond Productions, and one half of the musical comedy duo Vicky and Nikki, Lisa Brigantino. Lisa talks about her upbringing in a musical family, where a life outside of music was never even a thought, how she was able to quit her day job to tour the world and play the Download and Bonnaroo festivals, as well as recording with legendary producer Eddie Kramer at Electric Lady Studios. We also hear how Lisa has crafted her own business around her music supervision, licensing, and rights clearance agency, which also allows her the freedom to tour and create music as and when she wants to, as well as creating a popular musical comedy act with her sister Lori. Lisa is a wealth of knowledge about the music industry, and this is definitely an episode you'll want to listen with a notebook and pencils at the ready. The Music On Your Own Terms podcast is proud to be sponsored by Ignite Your Music Career. In episode 90, I chatted with Craig Dodge about how he makes a living writing music for TV, film, and video games, and how he teaches sync licensing to other musicians via a course he designed for Berkeley, as a professor at a local college, and of course with Ignite itself. Musicians all over the world subscribe to Ignite Your Music Career and earn more royalties, more upfront sync fees, and more recurring revenue from their music. Whether you're a composer, singer-songwriter, band, beatmaker, or instrumentalist, your music can be earning you more money. Internationally acclaimed composer, musician, and music educator Craig Dodge has licensed his music in more than 1,000 TV show episodes, films, video games, and ads all over the world, and he will show you how you can too. Ignite gives you the information you need in a simple, accessible format and you learn at your own pace. For just $6 a month, you get a video lesson each week on topics related to music licensing, from writing techniques to how to find your markets, and everything in between. You also get tools and activities to build the skills you need to be successful, and each lesson includes a royalty-free sound pack to download and use in your own music. The key to success in the music business today is to diversify your sources of revenue. Ignite will show you how. For more information or to subscribe to Ignite, visit the website at terrace-studios.com or click the link on the Music on Your Own Terms website. I am also following the course myself with the goal of being able to build alternative long-term revenue streams that will supplement my income for years to come. Essentially, I view this as an investment of time for my family's future that I hope will pay dividends. Go try it out for yourself. If you enjoy the podcast, there are a couple of ways you can show your support. Go to the store at store.musiconyourownterms.com and buy some merch. And at the same time, sign up for the mailing list to stay connected. 
subscribe to the YouTube channel to get extra content you won't find anywhere else, and finally, head over to Podcast Magazine's website at podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot50 and vote for music on your own terms in their Hot 50 monthly chart. This week's suggested artist is previous guest, the Carolyn Sills Combo. We first heard Carolyn in episode 67 with David Dennis as the featured artist. From the Badlands, he was racing back to life in El Paso. And then again in her own episode with husband and guitar player Gerard Egan in episode 82. I love how the combo mixes various genres of country styles with some other genres. As well as the juxtaposition of throwback music with a killer production. Feed them food out of your oven. good day, your goodbye. I really hope you'll go check out the band's catalog and go show them some love on social media and share with your friends. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lisa Brigantino. Hopefully, I got that right. You did. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing today? I'm very well. So yeah, for people who don't know, um, would you just give a brief intro of you know what you do in the music business? Well, I kind of sit on both sides of the industry in that I am a musician and a composer and a songwriter. So I work in the creative side of the business, but I also work in the business side of the industry. And I've been doing music supervision and music licensing for many years, mm-hmm. rights clearance, uh, consulting. So um, a kind of uh, unique in that way that I, I, I work in both, both ends of the industry. Excellent. And so currently you're working on your solo, uh, along with the, the, the licensing, you're working on your own solo music and you also have a comedy duo with your sister, musical comedy. Yes. Called yes. Vicky and Nikki. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, so in addition to kind of working on my own material, my singer songwriter material and any other kind of music that I do, whether I'm, I'm, uh, recording tracks for people or sitting in on gigs. Uh, my sister and I have a musical comedy act we do called The Vicky and Nikki Show, where we play sisters from Minnesota mm-hmm. who are on the road playing music. And uh, that's completely self-contained. So I'd say we play maybe eight to 10 instruments in the show. Awesome. And it's a scripted show. We've written 12 or 13 shows to date. And of course, this year, you know, all of our live performances were canceled. So we've done a few virtual mm-hmm. uh, productions uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll touch on that a bit later. Mm-hmm. So let, let's dig way back and find out, you know, what, what was it that got you into music in the first place? And then what was it that prompted you to stop playing? I come from a very musical family. So music was always something that I was around as a child. There was always singing at our family gatherings in 
perfect four-part harmony. Mm. So from a very early age, I was just surrounded by this. And and, and as an, at an early age, I kind of realized that I had a good ear. Started playing instruments as, as a child, started with ukulele when I was about four, then piano, then violin, then guitar, electric bass, and just adding things little by little as I got older, you know, playing music in high school, playing in the band, the orchestra, and playing in rock bands too uh, while I was in high school, and went on to study music at SUNY Fredonia, uh, State University of New York School of Music at Fredonia, originally with an eye towards doing music therapy, but I ended up moving into composition and music theory, mm -hmm. and then getting a master's in music composition and theory also. I stayed on and, and did that there. Fantastic. And when I graduated, I got my master's and I moved to New York City, that's when, you know, as a support job, I took a job as an administrative assistant at a rights clearance company. And that was my introduction to music licensing, rights clearance, and, and kind of delving into that end of the industry while I was still, you know, I would do my day job and then I would go perform at night or do other things. So right. that's kind of how that all happened. Eventually, I left that company and I became a partner in another music supervision and rights clearance company. And around that time, a couple of years after that, I became an original member of Les Zeppelin, the all-girl Zeppelin tribute band, mm -hmm. which became so popular. And we had there was such a demand for, for us that I actually left my day job to, to go out and tour with the band. And right. so I was in the band from 2003 to 2009. So that was terrific. I mean, that's, you know, a whole other... Uh, world that um, I'm very glad that I was a part of, but left in 2009 to get back to doing my own thing, to my own music, and then incorporated my own business, licensing business, and that happened in 2011. Fantastic. So you really didn't do anything else. It doesn't sound like there was any other interests. It's just like <laughs> laser focused in, in music and you know stuff surrounding it obviously attached itself like the business stuff, but didn't sound like you had you, you had any wavering uh, of choice. No, no, it was always it, it you know it's I like to say that I've I've had a musical life and mm. whether that's sometimes it's songwriting or it's performing or it's teaching or it's you know licensing music for a national commercial for a client it's it's all um it's all music related. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, let's touch on that real quick. Uh, so the company, you're, you're the founder of it or co-founder? Uh, well, I, I am the, uh, the, the owner and president of Hidden Pond Productions. Hidden Pond. And that's, that's my own company, which I started when I left the, the, the second company I had been working for. And I went out on tour with the band. I started... Can continue to do some licensing for some clients, people who had followed me for years and decided to mm. follow me wherever I was going. And then when I left the band in 2009, just started to focus more on, on doing the business and then incorporated in, in 2011. So yeah, it's, that's it's great. and it's just me. And that's kind of how I want it. Mm. You know, uh, being able to be in charge of my schedule and to say, you know, I don't have to ask anybody's permission if I want to go out and I want to do a short tour or I want, you know, sure. take a weekend off or 
a few days during the week because I have the shows out of town. I don't have to ask anybody's permission, and that's incredibly valuable. Mm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, but I mean, are there any like interns or or uh, virtual assistants that you use for for more routine tasks, or is it basically you? I I haven't needed to do that. I would certainly consider that if I needed it, but mm. at this point, it's been fine for me to just kind of handle everything. That's great. Uh, on your website, you have uh, a pretty big, big deal is 21 pilots for a BMW commercial. So it's not like you're, you know, not doing big things with just one person, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a, that was a great campaign. Um, the year before um, I did Goo Goo Dolls for B, for BMW as well. Cool. And that's a client that, you know, it's interesting how clients morph and change, but that was a client that I started working with maybe 10 years ago mm. and just doing some of their corporate videos. But when the time came that they needed help with selecting music and clearing music for some of these national campaigns, they came to me, which was terrific. Yeah. So if, if somebody is new to the, uh, you know, licensing side of music yeah. as an artist, like what, what kind of advice would you give them to kind of get into that? You know, if they, if, especially now with uh, COVID, you know, a lot of artists are definitely struggling to make ends meet and, you know, they're, they're typical, you know, if they're a touring artist or just recording it, they're really uh, hurting. So I, I've, I think this is a great opportunity that a lot of people don't really realize is even there. Yeah. I think there's, you know, there are a lot of opportunities out there. And of course, because there's such a proliferation of ways that people can uh, record at home and, mm. and create their own music at home, there's also, there's just, there's a lot of stuff out there. So there are placement companies. There are companies that help people find placements of their songs in, in film and television. There are various types of A&R uh, services where you kind of have to pay into them a little bit or you, mm. you get out a, a uh, take a subscription for them, from them. That would be something like Taxi. Mm -hmm. I think that's $199 a year. And then you get briefs from them. You know, you'll get a brief of they're they're looking for X, Y, and Z for a film or a television show. Um, they're very specific about genre and timing and all that kind of stuff. You know, if if artists have never done anything like that before, that might be a good place to start. Mm. I think it's a, a worthwhile investment because you do get these briefs. Sure. And, you know, it, there's so much information online now. Mm. You know, it's not when I started in the business uh, a long time ago where, you know, y there there wasn't a lot. I mean, there was like this business of music. That was the big, you know, the big textbook. Right. But now there's so much online about, you know, what is music licensing? What is music placement? How do I do it? What are companies that can help me? So it's really about educating yourself. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I do. I do find, though, that because there's so much info, information online, you end up starting to see the the people that just want their uh, their sites to go viral. And, of and sometimes there's misinformation. It's kind of like the music today is is very saturated. There's there's some misinformation. So are there any like primary resources that would be the best bet that 
have the correct information? Yeah, I think that there's there's probably good information. Um, you can check out the uh, the Guild of Music Supervisors. Mm-hmm. They have educational information and people that are maybe interested in finding out more about what that's about and maybe what people might be looking for. Sure. There is an organization that I am on the advisory board of in New York called Women in Music. Okay. And I served on the the board of directors years ago, and uh, I'm now on the advisory board. That's another great place for uh, education and information, both if you are looking to get into the business side of the industry and for artists as well. They're, They're always having... Uh, workshops and you know uh, even just last week there was I saw something coming uh, across a, a newsletter about a uh, up- upcoming licensing workshop that they were doing with you know people mm. from publishing and from record labels and so you know that's a good resource too and and that's open to anyone you don't have to be a a, a woman or you know to 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 be a member awesome no that's great so yeah I wanted to Touch a little bit on your experience with Led Zeppelin. Yeah. That am I right in saying they did some original work as well? Well, when uh, when I was in the band, which was I'm I'm the original John Paul Jones, so I was okay. bass, keys, and mandolin. Mm-hmm. And in 2007, we did our first album, and that was recorded and uh, produced by Eddie Kramer. Awesome. Uh, which was a, a real joy to work Must with. Have been surreal. It really was. And we did our basic tracks at Electric Lady. So, you know, the whole wow. thing was, you know, kind of amazing. But two of the songs on that album were original songs that we we all co-wrote. Um, well, we, we co-wrote one with Eddie, and then I co-wrote the, a second song with uh, the guitarist, which is more of an acoustic kind of mandolin, acoustic guitar thing. Uh, mm. But... So there were the, those two songs, and I, I think that was two out of eight, and they, the other six songs were, you know, Zeppelin tunes. Um, and honestly, I don't know what they've done since I left. I think that they've done, I think they tried to do like, um, uh, take Led, uh, Led Zeppelin one and, you know, like do whole albums. Yeah. Sure. So what, I mean, what was the impetus of setting that up? Was it geared, because there's um Oh, what what's the uh, I I'm I'm blanking on the name of the band now. It's got um, Gretchen Men on guitar. Why am I blanking on the name? So that that's a very kind of true to a very uh, faithful rendition of a female version of Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Was, what was your setup to be? Was it like a tribute act, or was it more kind of you know playing the songs, but then maybe doing something with it? you know, like you said, with the original songs? Well, you know, it really was, I mean, we were kind of considered a tribute band, but mm. but not really because we weren't trying to look like them. We were women. Right. We were really just taking the music and, and just paying paying homage to the music and, and just honoring it. You know, we, we really just, we loved playing. We, we did, you know, I wouldn't say... N- I mean, you could say note for note, but we really like the the solos were our own. We really put our own twist on on what we were doing. It was really about the love of the music. Mm. Frankly, what happened is we were kind of almost treated like an original band. We really weren't treated like a tribute act. Right. 
you know, uh, with we with management and with agents. Um, and then we started getting into festivals. We played Download in England, which was like mm. unheard of. The first all-girl band, the first uh, tribute band to play Download. Same thing with Bonnaroo. We played Bonnaroo in 2008. Wow. First all-girl band, first, first tribute act to play. So um, it was just kind of odd and and wonderful mm. at the same time. That, that, no, that that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. Ze Zeparella is is that. Yes, band. Zeparella. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Really, really good. But yeah. Um. So I mean, I, I just before we uh, move on to the next topic, any Spinal Tap moments that you'd like to share? Oh God. Um. <laughs> you know. There's some. There. There are lots of of nutty stories. You know, I I would really have to to think about what I could share with you. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but we had we had a lot of uh, a lot of fun together, a lot of good times. And you know, you're you're in a van doing 125, mm. 100, 125 plus shows a year. You know, it becomes a family. And um, we we did well. We toured well together. We were we were good on the road together. Um, and it was just, you know, it was hard to leave, but it was time to mm. go. And uh, it, because I was so involved with the band for those years, basically six years, that I, I really wasn't doing much of my own thing. So it was kind of time to kind of refocus and, and do something else. Sure. Yeah. That's a great segue into your solo work. So it, it seems that I haven't listened to all of it yet, but the it does seem kind of eclectic in terms of genres and styles. So what would you say your uh like you write about what are your themes are you, are you more of a a kind of you know literal writer or you you speak a lot in um metaphors like how how's your writing process go You know uh it's a little of both I would say I probably tend to work more with metaphor that isn't to say that I haven't kind of done story songs or things that mm. are a little more literal but um, I, I tend to kind of gravitate more uh, lyrically towards, towards metaphor hmm. uh, topics that uh, kind of come up again and again, images from childhood, you know, lost childhood, love, love and loss, a commentary on the world around me, inequality. You know, I, I don't really come down hard with that kind of thing. But if I feel like I have something to say, I'll say it. Well, I think we've had a lot of opportunity. Lately yes, to, exactly. To talk about that stuff, <laughs> Exactly. So. And yeah, genre wise, you know, because my background is so varied, because I've played in orchestras and jazz bands and rock bands, and I've, you know, I've sung barbershop harmony, and I've been in, um, uh, select choirs, you know, mm. I have this very, uh, it, I'm classically trained, yet I have an ear where I basically can play back anything that I hear. So it's very, I'm like all over the place. And my writing, songwriting is that way as well. Mm. I, I'm not somebody who, who really mix, mixes genres in a song, but right. you know, I will, my albums will have a pop rock tune next to a folk song next to a song that sounds like it's written from the 19, from the 1930s. And sure. I'm okay with that. I'm like it, you know, if people don't like that, they don't have to listen to it, but that interests me, you know? So, sure. um, and I like, I like working in, you know, for me, it's almost like a, a lyric will 
work better in a certain genre than maybe it would in another. How mm-hmm. I want to say something. So Absolutely. Yeah. I did notice, and I should have written it down beforehand, but I was listening in the car and there was a song about a woman that it was like the the first name Esther and she Esther that yes. was it that's the song is that a true to life story was that someone you met in real life yes that is a that is a situation that was a a woman who lived in uh, the town of Katona when i grew mm-hmm. up and you know she was just you know in in lot, like lots of small towns in the United States, you know, you know, there's, there's always kind of like, kind of a, a couple of odd cast of characters, right? And this was someone who, as a child, kind of caught my attention. She was intriguing, but scary. Mm. And it was basically a store, a, a song of kind of wondering about her. And, and, and the funny thing is, is that after I wrote the song, and I released it, um, there was a, a Facebook group on uh, called Katona Kids, which is, you know, just like a couple of thousand people that grew up in Katona. And I shared the song with them. And I got a flood of emails with people having memories of Esther. And I found out all kinds of things about her that I never would have known before. You know, it it, it was fascinating that that opened up, uh, you know, this discussion about this woman who Mm -hmm. we, we all kind of tangentially had this relationship with. Sure. Would would you ever consider an Esther two, based on the knowledge that you have post releasing it? Huh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't think so. I think mm. uh, I think there's something about the song as it exists that leaves a kind of a mystery about about her. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome though. Yeah, yeah, that fa- that kind of thing fascinates me. It's like you you just you can see see a glimpse of somebody in the street and you could. You could imagine an entire novel about them. And, oh, sure. You know, yeah. And it could be, you know, it could be accurate. It could be completely off base, but you never know. Right. Um, yeah. To, let, let's talk about Vicky and Nikki. So what was the, uh, h- how did that start? And then, you know, what kind of gigs? I, I assume you've been doing kind of, uh, I, I noticed on your website and I didn't, I didn't have a chance to click on it, but something about house gigs. Which that that kind of thing does fascinate me as well because it's very niched. Like you can't do a death metal concert in a house gig. Well, I guess you could, but you know, <laughs> it, it, as far as the storytelling aspect, right. and like a more of a folk or, or yeah. you know, acoustic blues, you can get away with it. So yeah, I, I just wondered if that's something you you'd done prior to COVID. Love to find out about that. Yeah, actually, uh, I, I've done a bunch of house concerts doing my own material and my, my sister Lori performs with me often. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've done that. We've traveled out of town to do house concerts and I, I actually love doing them. I love that environment. I really like talking to people before and afterwards. And uh, it's just a, a really personal experience that you don't get, you know, if you're playing on a stage and, then you you leave and you go and you, you do something else afterwards. It's it's really cool, and we ha- we have done, we've taken the act and uh, the Vicky and Nikki act, and we've done, you know, uh, like a private house event with with the mm-hmm. the act, and and that works in in that situation as well too. Yeah. So how how did that um that act come about? Well, it started by, I think way back when, 
we've been doing it since 2003. We had some friends in Brooklyn that were, were doing live versions of Three's Company. So they were taking mm -hmm. the old Three's Company show, doing episodes live at, at this bar called Freddy's, which is a, mm -hmm. a, a was a great bar uh, here and, and still is. They, they moved. And they wanted to have uh, a music act do a couple of songs from the 70s before they would go on and do their, their uh, shows. And they asked my sister if we would be interested in doing some songs. Mm -hmm. And Lori, who has a background in theater and is an actor, said, I, that sounds great, but I think we should do it as characters. And she came up with these characters, Vicky and Nikki, who were sisters. And we were like, well, how, how far away can we get them from two Italian girls from New York City? Well, they're from Minnesota. <laughs> so, you know, blonde wigs, gowns, bad accents. And so we would do like three or four songs before they, they would do their shows. And then we real people started coming to that because they wanted to see us. Mm. And then we started doing our own length shows so um our our christmas shows are very big those are that's like the big thing but we've done lots of shows during the years we've taken the show out of town uh we've done um appearances at a lot of uh comedy shows here in new york and variety shows mm -hmm. so it's uh it yeah it's a great deal of fun and it's very very different of course than doing my my own material there's really something very freeing about being a character and uh right you know, so and some of that material that we do, the the musical material is original. We've we've written some original songs, but then we'll take we'll do very inappropriate cover songs. Like we'll take um, uh, we'll take Under Pressure, you know, mm -hmm. David Bowie and and Queen, uh, but we'll do it as a bluegrass tune with, <laughs> with uh, uh, banjo and accordion. So it's just we really like to flip things around. Can you find that online? I, I definitely want to see that. Yes, you can. Uh, that that was part of our our uh, actually actually our Christmas show under okay. pressure. Yeah, I'll have to look <laughs> at that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So one uh, section I like to do is is uh, standard questions. I like to tell uh, ask everyone, what is one piece of advice you would give a musician looking to make a living in the music industry? I would, uh, one piece of, one piece of advice, huh? Hmm. Well, you know, it sounds really, um, pedestrian, but don't be an idiot. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is be, sh you know, show up on time. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're in a band, know your, know your stuff before you get to rehearsal. If somebody sends you an email, get back to them. If somebody mm -hmm. calls you, get back to them. All of these things, you know, the business is smaller than people think it is. And as somebody who's been a part of it for many years, and I'm not going to tell you how long, um, I have relationships with people now that I've, that I've had for many, many years because I showed up. Mm-hmm. I did my work. I respect these people that I'm working with and I respect their time. And, you know, it's like, don't be a diva. Just, you know, do your show up, show up. And, mm -hmm. and that just means show up as a human being. You'd be surprised how far that will get you because, you know, it's not just about 
you know, you could say, well, what, what's the one piece of advice? Well, you know, learn about the music business or practice your instrument. But uh, on a personal level, you know, those relationships keep, they, they just keep, you'll keep coming back to them time and time again. Mm-hmm. If you, if you uh, show up and you just be a, just be a good human, be somebody who is easy to work with and who's, you know, honest and trustworthy. It, it's, it, it sounds kind of, um, like I said, you know, it, it, it's just that that goes a really long way. Oh, for sure. And, and, and I can just attest to that from having had experiences with people and, you know, it's like, and I, and I've said this to other people, I'm like, send a, send a thank you note. You know, if, if you, if somebody, mm-hmm. you know, you've done something with someone or somebody's done something for you, let them know you appreciate what they've done. It's so important. Absolutely. You that's, know? that's great advice. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. What one resource could be a book, podcast, blog, uh, would you recommend to artists looking to be successful? Oh, gosh. Ari's take. I think that he's got really great information mm-hmm. and he does his research and he really breaks it down. I think for, you know, artists, um, whether where, whether it's about promoting your own music or maybe learning about like who does he recommend for distribution company or mm-hmm. and and you know and he'll go back and he'll he'll like compare distribution companies from like three or four years ago and then he'll do it again right. like who's current now and I, I just find that that's he, he's that's one that you know when I see those newsletters come in I read them yep you know absolutely. Yeah, huge fan, and he's from Minnesota as well. Yes, he is. Um, Okay, so what significant negative experience have you overcome, and what did that teach you? Let's see. Um, I would say um, in in a a past working experience, I I may have stayed too long at the party, so to Mm -hmm. speak. And I think part of that is me not wanting to, to, um, to quit Mm -hmm. on something or, you know, leave a situation that, that I still felt maybe I could, maybe I could correct it or make it better. But sometimes you really have to get hit over the head. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think um, I've I've had an experience like that where I really just had to be slammed over the head. And now, because of that, I've made decisions about how I want to work. And I want to work for myself. And, you know, I want to be in control of my schedule. And I don't want to have a lot of employees around and I don't want to, I don't want to grow a huge, huge business. I mean, that's kind of the antithesis of what most people think when they're, when they, they're business owners, they want to grow their business. I want it to be manageable and I want it to be mine because I have all these other things that I want to do. And I, I couldn't do them if I was like managing 15 people in an office because I've done that. And I know that that doesn't work for, Mm -hmm. for what I want to accomplish. So I would say 
I, I think I'm trying, I'm learning to like not stay too long at the party. Like, you know, n- learning when to kind of cut and run. Sure. Fantastic. What major positive experience uh, has given you the the push to follow this journey? You know, I, I have to say that um, I think a, a real turning point was was being in Les Zeppelin, which allowed me to leave my job mm-hmm. and really kind of do like run away with the circus, basically. And do something that I had wanted to do for years, which was just to spend some time being a full-time musician and have that experience. That was a huge deal. And it was something I wanted to accomplish and I did. And, you know, that kind of snowballed into something else, which was getting back to my own music and, um, uh, you know, building up a client base so I could do my own work. So, you know, that, that kind of trans, that kind of turned into these other musical things. So... I think that was very, very helpful, you know, being in the band, even though uh, ultimately, you know, I had to leave it, that that was a real turning point in in saying, you know, yes, this this is who I am. I'm a I'm a musician and I can leave that world behind and I can kind of do it my own way. Fantastic. What does music mean to you? Oh, you know, music is that thing for me that makes me feel the closest to who I am like it's that it's that thing whether you know when I'm doing it as a musician or as a songwriter it's that thing that's almost undescribable that that feeling like this is exactly where you should be at this moment it's it's a very spiritual kind of thing yeah, I would have to say have to say that. Awesome, thank you so much. Um, so if people want to reach out, uh, find out, you know, all about your music, about your business, where can they go? Uh, for my business, my uh, company is Hidden Pond Productions, and I have a website, hiddenpondproductions.com, and that's all about the you know licensing and rights clearance. Uh, but I also consult with songwriters and musicians who are looking for help in how how to navigate the business. And, mm-hmm. you know, do I need a mechanical license for, you know, this song that I want to put out? And how do I do distribution? And and, um, and that's also, we also custom score. So uh, okay. we do custom scoring for, you know, we've done advertising of films and, um, and I, do a lot of work with my husband. Uh, we co-write for those types of productions. Mm-hmm. In terms of my own material, lisabrigantino.com and all, all my social media links are, are on the websites. Uh, and Vicky and Nikki is vickyandnikki.com and that's V-I-C-K-I-E-A-N-D-N-I-C-K-I-E.com. Awesome. And again, all, you know, all social media is listed on there too. Great. Um, and then uh, uh, at the end of the interview, I like to play a song from the, the artist I'm interviewing. So what song would you like to play? Um, we're going to uh, play a song called Watching the Ducks, which is from my uh, most recent uh, full-length album release, I'll Waltz Before I Go. Uh, and I thought this was a good kind of, a good song f- to give to you because it's not, um, 
particularly acoustic or it's not a, a particularly a rocker but it's some kind it's kind of in between mm. um so i thought it was a, a good representation of a, a little bit of this and that could you give me a bit of a background on the story behind it um yeah somebody told me once that falling in love was like finally being able to sit back and watch the ducks float by mm. and so i took that idea and and wrote the song interesting okay very good. We'll hear that at the end. This has been a fantastic uh, conversation. I really appreciate taking the time to uh, talk to me today. Absolutely. Um, any any closing words? Um, no, I just thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I, I'm very grateful to be able to talk with you. And, um, you know, if anything that uh, I say is uh, inspiring to young musicians and young uh, music business people, you know, I, I'm happy to kind of pass that on. And uh, yeah, I hope people will check out my sites. And if, you know, I can be of help, let me know. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Simon. Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform, as this really helps get the word out about the podcast so that other musicians can benefit from the awesome knowledge that my guests are sharing. The more the musicians community collectively learns, the stronger we will all become. A rising tide lifts all ships. Sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and a range of other services. Go to theskinnyarmadillo.com to learn how they can help you get your merch business to the next level. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Lisa Brigantino with Watching the Ducks.